I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. An email from UC Berkeley caused a lot of reaction on social media last week. It was sent to thousands of potential students, and it warned that a court order could force the university to slash its undergraduate admissions by more than 3,000 slots. That's because a group of neighbors in Berkeley filed a lawsuit against the university. They're sick and tired of all the traffic, the litter, and all those noisy late-night college ragers. They also want the university to stop expanding its campus construction to accommodate its growing student population. Enrollment at Berkeley has increased by nearly 30% in the last couple of decades, and the housing hasn't kept up. Tens of thousands of students, faculty, and staff lack on-campus housing, and a recent study also found that about 10% of Berkeley students have experienced homelessness while attending the university. Back in August, though, a judge sided with the frustrated neighbors and ordered UC Berkeley to freeze its undergraduate enrollment and halt construction projects. The judge cited a little-known law called the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA. Last week, a state appeals court upheld that decision, and now it's up to the California Supreme Court to figure out who wins, the neighbors or the university. Here to explain the drama and what's at stake are Chronicle reporters Dustin Gardner and Annette Asimov. Dustin and Annette, great to have you on Fifth Emission. Happy to be here. Hi, thanks for having us. Dustin, I want to start with you. This drama, like a lot of other dramas in the Bay Area, is about the housing crisis. Explain the law at the heart of this fight, the California Environmental Quality Act, or CEQA. How does it work? Well, this law is about 50 years old, and initially when it passed, the, the, the law was signed by Governor Ronald Reagan, and it had bipartisan support. It really was not that controversial at the time. It was designed to mirror federal environmental regulations. But over time, CEQA has morphed through a series of court rulings. Initially, the law was focused on any sort of project or development that would have a significant environmental impact, and courts have expanded it to any sort of project that could have a potential impact, not necessarily a significant impact. And so that has broadened environmental concerns to include things like noise and traffic and a whole myriad of complaints about housing. And so we've seen quite a few cases throughout the state and several involving college campuses where this law has been used as justification to delay or hold projects up. And the complaint for a lot of critics is that these lawsuits aren't really about the environment and they aren't really about CEQA, that they say the law is being used as a pretext um, to kind of cloak opposition to housing for other reasons. And so I think this this whole fight going on at Berkeley has fueled those complaints that CEQA has just kind of morphed into this um, beast that is not what it was originally intended to be. Like you mentioned, Dustin, the law's been around for a while. Do we know who the law has benefited the most? Is it environmentally vulnerable communities, or has it sort of changed now to be this protection for for NIMBYs or wealthy homeowners? It really is both. I mean, even critics of the law will say that it's been critical in some aspects. You know, there's cases where there's a road that might be developed that could have a significant impact, or there might be an industrial facility that could harm a low-income community. And the law has been used for good in a lot of cases, you know, supporters and critics would say. Um, but the, but at the same time, you know, in addition to cases where the law might have helped protect a community, there, we are seeing quite a few cases, uh, typically about 200 lawsuits a year. 
are filed over this law. And a lot of those cases are disputes that are really about the the character or the aesthetic or the location of housing. Mm. It's not necessarily about um, detailed environmental concerns. And Nanette, we know that housing development in the Bay Area is never easy, and you've reported on the tensions between UC Berkeley and its surrounding neighbors for some time. Remind us, what's the challenge that UC Berkeley is facing right now when it comes to housing its students? There's not enough room. Housing in the Bay Area is super expensive, and building it is also very expensive. And of all the nine undergraduate campuses at the University of California, UC Berkeley has the lowest rate of housing its students. Fewer than one in four students at all levels are housed, just 22.7%. So there's not a lot of places to build either. And that's the, the big tension because the university wants to grow. And why have the most recent construction projects caused so much controversy with neighbors? What are they complaining about exactly? The problem in Berkeley is that as the university grows in size, the students spill out into the community. And there's the community saying our community is changing, our city is changing, our streets are noisier, there's more police calls and sirens and um, garbage. And so, you know, you can you can call them not in my backyard, NIMBYs, but they're also saying, you know, what's, what's happening to our community here? For example, UC Berkeley's enrollment has grown 20% in the last decade. So they have 45,000 students now, but 10 years ago they had 36,000. So that's more than 9,000 more students. And if you're living there, you kind of feel every one of those, the late night parties or however you feel it. That's been tough in this sort of town-gown tension that we're seeing. The group that filed the lawsuit is called Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods. How are they different from other neighborhood groups that have weighed in on housing issues in the past? Well, they're, they're pretty effective, and they've kind of won. That's maybe another thing that's different. Not every housing group or group of neighbors, you know, can beat back Goliath the University mm-hmm. of California, but they've had a few wins. For example, they effectively stopped a beach volleyball court. You see Berkeley had envisioned a beach volleyball and a big entertainment complex there. And the Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods group said, you know, no, you're not doing that. That's uh, lights and things like that we don't want. And mm-hmm. they stopped it. So they're pretty effective. And these folks, the Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods group, have asked the state Supreme Court to allow for a freeze on UC Berkeley's enrollment during an environmental review required by CEQA. But, Dustin, it feels like maybe we shouldn't be limiting academic opportunities for students just because we can't figure out how to house them. What is State Senator Scott Weiner proposing as an amendment to the law? Senator Weiner unveiled a a bill this week. He had a press conference with a bunch of college students and housing advocates. And this bill would be a a huge deal because it would exempt the UC, CSU, and community college campuses from CEQA. So basically, if they were going to build on-campus housing, they wouldn't have to go through this lengthy, sometimes years-long environmental review process. And so that would really streamline the ability to build new housing uh, on campus. And, you know, I, I talked to the senator before he introduced the bill, and really he emphasized that this is becoming a crisis on a lot of campuses. It's not some minor issue. There are significant percentages 
of students who are ho homeless or housing insecure on college campuses. Uh, according to some of the statistics I've seen from the Legislative Analyst Office, you, you have up to 16% of students in the UC system who, who are either homeless or facing housing insecurity. And that number is even higher when you get to CSU and the community colleges. With the community colleges, for example, you have... Um, at least almost 20% of students that have been homeless at some point in the last year. So that really just kind of speaks to how serious this issue has gotten and why, you know, CEQA, uh, what was once kind of an untouchable um, law at the, at the state capitol is really being honed in on for some significant potential reforms. No, it's really true. And um, even at San Francisco State University, if you wander around the neighborhood around there, you see motorhomes. They're just, mm -hmm. you didn't never used to see those, but there's motorhomes lining the streets because there's nowhere for the students to live. Same thing around City College of San Francisco, tons of motorhomes. Maybe not so much now because it's not in person there, but that's where students oftentimes turn to. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Nanette, this fight is ongoing. Last week, different supporters of the university filed amicus briefs favoring higher enrollment, and they're appealing to the Supreme Court now to step in. And that includes the city of Berkeley, the state DOJ, and Governor Gavin Newsom. What's the argument that UC Berkeley and its supporters are making now? Well, I mean, it really does come down to, to money um, because mm -hmm. the more students you have, the more per pupil spending, more, more money you get from the state allocation. But the way the university characterizes it is, you know, um, if you don't allow us to increase our enrollment, then we'll have severe economic impacts on the campuses. You'll see a reduced quality of education. You'll see fewer classes. You'll see lower quality. And so, you know, that's one way to spin it. Another way uh, is how the governor is saying it is that this is terribly unfair to students who would otherwise be qualified. It's their dream to go to UC Berkeley. So it really comes down to uh, opportunity for students. And I think it's worth pointing out that the city of Berkeley, which also filed a brief in favor of increasing enrollment until last year, very much opposed the enrollment increase, and they too had sued the university. And what it came down to was a financial agreement between the city of Berkeley and the university to the tune of $82.6 million over the next 16 years for the university to pay for, you know, increased services. So mitigation and all, all the stuff that's, that's covered by and required by CEQA. And if you lift the CEQA, you know, there has to be a way for the universities to pay for the impact on the cities. So that's now the mayor uh, is a kind of a cheerleader for enrollment. Interesting. Yeah. And Dustin, what would need to happen in order for this proposal that Scott Weiner is is making, what would need to happen for that to pass? I imagine it's going to face a lot of opposition, but it would really remove some of these barriers. Yeah, there's a very long road ahead for this bill. Um, any, any sort of housing legislation is always a, a tough fight in Sacramento, especially when you're talking about providing another exemption to CEQA. 
um, to environmental regulation. You know, so I think he has a tough road getting this through the Senate and the Assembly, um, especially the Assembly. I would say probably because there are quite a few moderate Democrats there, some of whom you know represent areas that are that are dealing with the same struggles. And 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 if he's able to get it through the legislature, then of course you know he would need Governor Newsom to sign this. And I I think that there'll be a lot of arguments about just the. The sanctity of CEQA in, in the legislature, you know, you have a lot of environmental groups that are very hesitant to see any piece of that carved out. And so Wiener really has to get them to come along. And he also mm-hmm. needs to deal with cities that are concerned about losing some of their local control because there are, you know, there are a lot of communities that feel like the the, the college campuses in their neck of the woods has outgrown the surrounding community. And, you know, the, the way he's written this bill, it is very broad. It's, you know, uh, basically any on-campus housing project at, at one of the three state-run college systems would be exempt from CEQA. So I think there'll be a lot of discussion about potential amendments to that to maybe narrow it a little bit more. What would be the alternative to building construction on campus? I mean, I, I think our region has already seen the negative impacts of urban sprawl, like more traffic, people moving to more fire-prone areas. Is that part of Senator Weiner's rationale that on-campus construction is the actually better option? That's precisely the argument that Weiner is leaning into here. You know, he said the alternative to building more housing on campus is more urban sprawl. And so while, you know, a few neighbors around a certain school might be inconvenienced, his argument is that in the long run, it's, it is much better for our communities to have development that is taking place so students and faculty aren't having to commute a long way to get to campus. And yeah, and if, if there isn't housing on campus, there's housing built somewhere or, or people are homeless. Like at UC Berkeley, it has purchased a lot of commercial property and turning it into housing near the campus, including a an apartment building, a really old apartment building where a number of people lived and now you know those people have nowhere to live. So we turned them out last year and there were protests and in its place you see Berkeley's building like a fourteen story apartment building for transfer students. And- Part of the whole frustration with CEQA is that uh, under the law, anytime you're having significant development um, in an urban area, you have to go through this review process. And critics of the law say that the presumption is that more housing or growth is bad. And their whole complaint is that how, that growth and housing in certain areas is good. And that, so that's, I think, some of the fundamental debate we'll see about CEQA is just sort of that idea that growth in every area is subject to the same level of you know rigor and review the you know for example you're subjecting a project to the same level of review and environmental mitigation in an urban area as you would in a more outlying you know remote area that is facing a wildlife area and i i think that's a big part of the debate we'll see play out in sacramento is you know whether that sort of blanket uh, application of sequa is is really makes does it really make sense anymore while we wait and see what reforms may happen with CEQA, Nanette, we know the Supreme Court is going to weigh in on this particular case with Berkeley enrollment numbers. When can we expect an answer from them and what would happen after? Yeah, the Supreme Court could respond any day. And if UC Berkeley wins, that means they will issue admissions letters to thousands of students who they wouldn't otherwise offer. And those students will receive their happy letters by end of April. 
But if the decision does not go in UC Berkeley's favor and supports the neighbors, 3,000 students will never know if they would have received one. And then part of all of this is a construction project that the university is building on Hearst Avenue called the Upper Hearst Project for the Goldman School of Public Policy there and for faculty housing. And that's been put on hold. But you know, it remains unclear what would happen to that, depending on what the the Supreme Court decides. Dustin, beyond this UC Berkeley decision, what do you think this case is highlighting about housing construction issues in the state as it relates to this environmental law, CEQA? What are you keeping an eye on? On one hand, this case is, you know, very narrow in terms of its focus on UC Berkeley. But on the other hand, it, it's very broad in the sense that it speaks to a lot of frustrations that housing advocates across the state have had for many years. And, you know, they say that this case is similar in the sense that CEQA is providing the pretext or, you know, maybe that, you know, sort of an excuse in their words to to challenge housing when the concern is really not so much the environment, it's maybe the location of the housing or other concerns about the project. And so I think this is stirring more attention and discussion to CEQA, but in terms of there being a broader discussion about reforming the law beyond, you know, the college campus issue we're talking about, I don't know that there's the political will to do that. And, you know, some of the housing experts I've talked to and Senator Weiner as well, you know, they, they basically say that there might not be the appetite for that. So I think the, the fight at, at this point will probably be very focused on the college campus piece. Dustin, Nanette, thank you so much for explaining this really complex issue to us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Dustin Gardner is a state capital reporter for The Chronicle, and Nanette Asimov covers higher education. For their ongoing coverage of CEQA and the UC Berkeley decision, visit sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. 